Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. So, no, why are you inviting strangers over to your house to unpack for you? No. So, here's here's how my weekend went. Uh, Friday, I get off work. And I got a bunch of stuff to do because I need to like go out shopping for a couch and run some errands and shit before I go home. So I go out, I do all that. I don't get back to the house till about nine o'clock at night. I pull up and it's pitch black. And I was like, hmm, that's not right. I left the lights. I, you know, I leave the uh, front lights on because my street's real dark. So go in, flip some switches. Nothing. I was like, fuck. Must have blew a breaker while I was at work. Go down to the basement. Or at least that's what the killer wants you to think. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So I'm walking around. And like I said, of course, it's nine o'clock at night. So it's pitch black. And I am here with nothing. So I don't have a flashlight or anything. So I'm walking around just using the light on my phone. Uh, go down to the basement. Flip all the breakers. Nothing. So I was like, fuck, did I did I have a power bill or something I didn't know about? I was like, we just moved in. There's no way they build me already. So I go on ComEd's website and it says, no, everything's fine. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. So I walk outside. Neighbors have power. So I call the number to report an outage. And basically, ComEd's got no customer service. So it just sends you to this automated fucking thing. And it's like, would you like to report an outage? It's like, yep. Press one. It's like, okay. Are you on Taylor Street? And it's like, yep. And then it goes, you have power and it hangs up on you. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, huh. Well, that's completely fucking worthless. So I went outside and checked. You know how some houses have like a uh, a kill switch on the outside of the house? Which is a great place for it. Right. So I go and I check all that just to make sure I don't have one. I was like, you know what? Maybe maybe I left like the back porch light on and I've got some dickhead neighbor that was all pissed that there was a light on and came and shut my power off. But no, nothing. So then I stay up till midnight calling every electrician in the freaking, uh, the Google (laughs) equivalent of a phone book, you know what I mean? And trying to get somebody out, can't get anybody to come out until the morning. So I had to sleep in a house that was about, you know, 35 fucking degrees because it's 20 degrees outside and I don't have power. So that was miserable. 
Uh, get up the next day. I had an appointment for ADT to come out to install my home security system. So I had to call and cancel that because they couldn't do that because they didn't have power. Finally, the electrician gets out here and starts going through everything. And they were like, hey, everything is dead past the meter. And they were like, we've tested this a thousand times. Everything's like showing nothing. And they were like, the only thing we can think of is like you're you're either your power shut off or you've had a power surge and it's fried everything. And they were like, have uh, you checked the website? And I was like, yeah. So crossing my fingers for power surge. Well, so we I, I pull up the website again. It shows everything's good and all that. And they go, okay, well, if it's a power surge, it's going to cost about $10,000 to fix everything. Holy shit. Yeah. So that's, so that's a thing. So I'm getting ready to like, just start throwing things in and just go ape shit and just, just, just turn, go, just, just turn completely feral. You know what I mean? Next <laughs> thing burn, you guys should the see of me is me half naked running through the city of Chicago, hissing at people <laughs> like just burn the house down for the insurance money. Yeah. yeah. It was an electrical fire that was make that misdiagnosed. So there were two electricians. One of them leaves to go do something. And the other guy's like, well, I'm going to keep working on this to try to diagnose it and all that. So I start making phone calls. And of course, the first two things I find out is that I'm in my first 30 days. So my homeowner's insurance won't pay for any damages. <laughs> but I've got a home warranty, right? Because I just purchased yeah. the house. Too bad that's on the outside of your house. Well, it's not normal wear and tear is what they said. They said, nope, power surges is not normal wear and tear, so we don't cover anything. And I was like, of course you fucking don't. Of course you motherfuckers don't cover anything that you should actually fucking cover. So we're doing all this, and the the electrician that stayed was like a younger dude who was like an apprentice. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And he was like, you know what, I'm just just to be extra thorough, I'm going to start taking some stuff apart and see if I can't find anything. So he takes my whole meter apart and he starts testing it. And he finally he's like, hey, something's up here, because look, whenever I test your meter, I'm not getting any voltage passing through it. And he said, so that's acting like they have your power shut off. And I was like, yeah, but we've checked this like eight times and it keeps saying I'm fine and that I have power. So we get back on the website and start digging through everything and I'm sitting here trying to find it and I'm trying to find it. And I'm trying to find it. And finally, while I'm looking at it, these motherfuckers have my billing address correct and they have my service address one number off. <laughs> So while I'm sitting here calling them 5,000 times and it's telling me I have power, it's telling me I have power because it's checking the wrong fucking address. And ComEd, once again, has no customer service. So I can't get a human being on the phone to fix any of this. And you can't just change your address to the website. So this electrician has to call in a downed power line in order to get a person on the phone, because that was the only way to do it. Jesus. 
and once they got on the phone, basically went, hey, motherfuckers, you guys put the wrong fucking address in here, and this dude's got no power, and he's not going to have any power until Tuesday because you have no customer service working, even though you're a power company. So they fixed it. Power came back on. So then I had to run across town, catch a train, rode a train down to Springfield, went, picked up a U-Haul. And then my wife had to pack everything while I loaded a 15-foot U-Haul on my own. Which, by the way, sucks dicks. Yeah. All the dicks. Uh, so yeah. that took me, you know, I, I've got a bad back and there's stairs involved and stuff. So it it had to take me six hours to get this thing loaded. Just, you know, box after box after box. Get that done. Drive back. I probably don't get back to Joliet until maybe 10 o'clock at night on Sunday. And my body is destroyed, so I can't unload <laughs> this thing, especially not in the middle of the night. So I had to find somebody on Facebook and pay them $150 to come out and unload this truck for me. Because the next, the next morning, you know, my legs are all fucked up. My back's all fucked up. My hands were all swollen, so I like I was pretty much worthless. I ended up having to call into work. Wait, 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 wait. What time did you get to your house on Sunday? Probably like nine or ten. So you hired somebody at nine o'clock at night? No, they came out the next day. Okay. I just I just put a padlock on it. <laughs> I was gonna say, if you're hiring people at nine o'clock at night on Facebook, you are going to be robbed in the next couple of days. Yeah, no. No, they came out the next day. <laughs> Still a chance, but less likely of a chance, I guess. But I'll, t- I'll tell you what. I At first, I felt kind of bad having to pay $150 for somebody to unload a truck. But, man, this dude came out with his, like, teenage son. And those motherfuckers unloaded that truck. They, <laughs> they got that nice. truck unloaded in, like, 45 minutes. I was like, damn. All right, <laughs> here's your money. <laughs> so you done earned your 150 bucks, right? Like a like a beast. But the good news is now, like a bunch of my stuffs here. So at least I have kitchen stuff that I can cook dinner, and uh, my furniture shopping was successful. So now I have a couch, so I'm not just sitting in a lawn chair. Ooh, go back to lawn chair. I still have been. The, the funny thing is, I, I just haven't had enough motivation to move the TV into the living room. So I'm still sitting in the lawn chair every time I'm watching a movie or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And because of all this, I still haven't seen fucking Ant-Man and I'm real salty about it. Should be. I'm Real bad. That. I don't. I don't like not seeing uh, my superhero movies on opening weekend. Oh, I'm gonna assume Doug didn't see it either. That's not it. Oh wow! Yeah. I thought you were you were down on Marvel movies. I thought you weren't uh, going to see them right away. Uh, no, it's a case by case decision. Well, let's make sure to spoil it for Noah later. I was, yeah, we'll I was going to say, the good, news, the good news is somehow it hasn't been spoiled to shit yet. 
<laughs> I've been kind of avoiding it, you know what I mean? But I mean, in, in the interest of fairness, like, you know, Kang's in it, you know, probably the good guys win at the end. It's not a particularly complicated movie when it comes to it all. Like, yes, there's a lot of details that could be spoiled, a lot of like moments that could be spoiled, but you're yeah. you pretty much you pretty much know what's going on. There's no there's no shock of anything, but there were I'm yeah, sure man. there'll be there'll be plenty of moments where you'll be like, Oh fuck yeah. But I mean <laughs> What? Rom Space Night. <laughs> Woo. Good. Noah had an exciting weekend. What'd you do, Doug? Uh, well, I don't know. I had like four birthday parties to take a kid to. So four. Yeah, two two of my nieces and two random children. <laughs> you just they... driving, driving by and you saw balloons on the mailbox. <laughs> I was stopped I'm... by. No, sorry. I was getting ready to say some somehow Wait. were they all at different Chuck E. Cheese and or Billy Hobbs? <laughs> You're just driving across town to to all the separate Chuck E. Cheese locations. This is how we get free cake, son. Three of them just... were uh, home based birthday parties, and one of them was at a one of them was at a place that had laser tag, which was actually pretty fun because they let yeah. they let they let the dads play laser tag. Oh, nice. So technically they let the parents play laser tag, but in a very predictable turn of events, all of the dads who were there played and none of the moms did. <laughs> like, do any of the grownups want to play laser tag? And we all just start naturally walking towards this laser tag. I'm going to shoot my kid a whole bunch of times. All the moms are like, we'll stay here and chat. Like, okay. <laughs> fun Doug, Doug's like, hell yeah. Fuck those kids. It was fun. Except my kid has what the what school refers to as strong leadership skills, so he kept having the other kids team up against me. <laughs> For some reason the other kids will listen to him. I don't know. And then he's like he uses that to direct them at me with, in laser tag, apparently. So that that was my whole weekend, though. Nice. I went to like a local comic book convention. That's pretty sad. So Is that the uh, the comic book and toy show? Uh, QuadCon. Uh, the sad part of it is <clears throat> it takes place in our local mall, which is pretty much dead at this point. And uh, so you walk in and you're like, oh, it's got a bunch of tables all set up on the upper floor. You just walk around and you're like, huh, a lot of these stores are closed now. And uh, I didn't buy anything. So it's like, oh, okay, well. I walked around the mall for like two hours and uh, just reminisce of how cool the mall used to be. And now it's not cool anymore. <clears throat> then my stepdad had a retirement, a surprise retirement party. <clears throat> Which, uh, of course, everybody made the joke. Does he know he's retiring? Is that why it's a surprise? And uh, jokes like that. Yep. And uh, in my typical family, just how how they handle everything. Mom told me, OK, make sure you get there at seven. Your stepdad's going to show up at seven thirty. And I said, OK. Show up at seven, just enough time to see my mom and my brother walk out to come have a smoke. 
And they're like, oh, yeah, we came early. It's like, oh, so me being here was not a priority, apparently, for, for the surprise part of this. Okay, great. So I just went and had sandwiches and sat there just out of my stupid family all night because this is the type of shit they do all the time. That's pretty frustrating. Yeah. <clears throat> and it was at a stupid towny bar of the town I went to high school in, and I hate that town anyway. Didn't really want to be there. Shockingly, did not run into anybody I went to high school with that I didn't really want to see. So it seems like Noah probably had the most fun this weekend. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, and on top of that, Facebook keeps recommending these stupid fucking uh, Marvel versus DC things. And and I can't resist looking at the comments, and I don't know why, because I'm like, I know this is just going to make me angry. Why would I do this? <laughs> and then I open it, and it's a bunch of people like, Ugh, sell the Snyder Cut to Netflix and I'm like god damn it <laughs> <laughs> you snuggle dragging idiots and it's like Ugh, Hulk can beat Thanos because in this one shot published 500 years ago he did this one thing and it's like Jesus Christ <laughs> I like that James Gunn chimed in on the Netflix thing and it was just like, who says Netflix even wants it? And then I'm sure it got berated by a bunch of Snyder bros afterwards. Well, it's just, it's just crazy. People trying to pretend like those movies weren't all shit is just the most confusing thing. Who are these people who enjoy those crap ass shit movies? Incels. Yeah, it's, it's uh, something. I just, I just don't, especially the Superman thing where they're like, uh, Henry Cavill's the best Superman. It's like, was he though? Like, cause, cause all the movies suck. He's not even in top three Superman. That's what we're talking about. Right. And I, and I get it. It's not his fault. He's fucking great. He's got the look. If, if you had, you know, given a director who knew how to fucking tell a story, and didn't put a poop filter over every fucking movie they make. <laughs> don't, forget, don't, don't forget respected the characters and their established lore. Yeah, that's, that's more that's on that's on David fucking Goyer. Fuck him too. <laughs> no, it's it's the director who was responsible for that, I think. I don't I don't saying, know. Dave, I'm not Dave saying Goyer, Goyer didn't my, my do hate for him goes a long fucking way. <laughs> we all know. Uh, good times still being mad about movies from over 10 years ago. Well, the worst thing is <laughs> like those movies being shit is one thing. Cause then it's like, damn it. These movies were shit. My, my problem is that all those movies were shit and people try to pretend like they're these fucking grand works of art. Yeah. There's maybe about 15 minutes out of Batman v Superman and maybe Justice League combined that I actually enjoyed. 
And that's usually when Batman is doing Batman stuff. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I think out of all the all those Snyder movies, the, the best thing to come out of them was that uh, trailer for Superman where somebody else went in and re-edited it to put color back into it. <laughs> I feel vindicated whenever people go back and hate on those movies because of how I spent so much time hating on those movies. Oh, yeah. I wasn't a big fan either. And uh, the worst is when me and my friend, who's a big like Joker fan, like fan of the actual character, we went and saw Suicide Squad together. He came he came out going like, oh, I mean, come on. What else did you want? I had it all in it. I'm like, I wanted a good movie. That movie was fucking terrible. He kept trying to defend it. Then At the year, time, it was like the high point of the DC. <clears throat> years later, he did admit, yeah, I was I was trying to force it because I really wanted to like it. And it wasn't good either. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I told you at the time. I've seen a lot of people talking about that, too, where they were like, you know, people give Suicide Squad all this shit, but it broke opening weekend records for movies in August and all this kind of stuff. And it was like, so did Transformers. Well, yeah, yeah. That's what I said. I was like, that's because there was a ton of fucking hype around it. Like, I went and saw it opening weekend (laughs) and it sucked. And, and then the they were like, that, yeah, well, James Gunn Suicide Squad did, you know, like half the fucking numbers. So I was like, yeah, it came out in the middle of the fucking pandemic and went straight to streaming same day. Of course it did shit numbers. Plus, people had a bad taste in their mouth from that first one. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, and it was a sequel to a shitty movie. <laughs> what do you expect? I hate when people try to equate box office with quality and they're like well it made money so it must be good no people who paid to see it hadn't seen it yet they didn't know if it was going to be good or not when they bought those tickets box office is a tribute to good marketing it has nothing to do with quality of the film box office is only good to look at if you enjoy the movie and you're like man i hope this gets a sequel then you look at the box office and it does really well then you go yay it did well and you can be excited personally it doesn't mean it's a good movie no, it doesn't like going into a movie when you pay the money for the ticket, you haven't seen the movie yet. You have no idea if it's good or not until after you see the movie. Yeah. So the fact that you bought a ticket has nothing to do with the quality of the film. Now, if anything, the second weekend box office actually tells you more about if it's a good movie or not. Right. I, I would argue longevity. So the amount of weeks it stays in the theater that's probably the best gauge because that yeah. means people are still going to see it. Yeah, but even that now is really suspect though, because movies will stay in the theater forever that like, I don't think anybody's seeing. I don't understand it exactly. Like, have you guys seen the, what's it called? Missing, which is the, the sequel or spiritual sequel to searching. No, but I kind of wanted to, but do you know anyone who's seen it? Is is that the one that is like the whole movie's done from the perspective of the girl's like laptop? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm never gonna see that. Yeah. <laughs> so but it stayed in theaters around here for like over two months. Yeah. I don't I literally have never heard of anyone seeing it. I didn't know it existed until I saw it on the list when I was going to see something else. Like 
Well, we're also in the wasteland time mm-hmm. where there's not a lot of releases, so there's not a lot of new movies coming out. And so like Black Panther was Black Panther was still in theaters like until two weeks ago here. Like why? Oh, really? I don't like it. Nobody can be going to see it after it shows up on Disney Plus. That doesn't make any sense, right? Like no. But I think they just have, like you say, it's a wasteland, right? There's not a lot out. <laughs> yeah. So they just leave it there because whatever. Maybe maybe some people will show up, and if nobody does, nobody does. Whatever. It's better than having yeah. the theater the lights off, you know. I mean, I'm glad I'm glad people like that movie, but. Uh... It's such a freaking step down. Curious to see what Noah's going to say about Ant-Man when he sees it. I am too, actually. Yeah, well, I don't know, because I'm sure it's going to be filled with zany D-roll comic book characters, which is kind of one of my favorite things. And everybody keeps saying Jonathan uh, Mayers is fucking great as Kang. And it's good enough for me. He's pretty rad. And I'm sure it's Paul Rudd being Paul Ruddy. He's real Paul Ruddy. Yeah. (laughs) But that's exactly what I wanted. I'm I'm a little disappointed with the fact that, like, I've read all these articles where Paul Rudd keeps saying, apparently the original cut of the film is way more violent. Oh, that's the one I want to see. It, well, that's it, what I said. I was like, man, I hope they do a director's cut. Yeah. Honestly, like I, without spoiling the movie, it feels like somebody was trying to make almost a Deadpool esque movie with the violence and the language and everything else. And then somebody went in and, tapped him on the shoulder and reminded him it was supposed to be PG-13 and a lot of that kind of got scaled back. Yeah. One of the Paul Rudd interviews, he said like in the original cut of the movie by the end of whatever the big confrontation fight is between him and Kang that like uh, he was like unrecognizably bloody and you know face beat up and swollen and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) He said the Marvel executives watched it and they were like, what the fuck are you guys doing? <laughs> Tone it down. I have to reshoot all I this mean, shit, you know? In all honesty, he ends up a lot bloodier than I expected him to. Yeah, which I will agree with. Maybe that was their ploy. Maybe they're like, if we make it like horribly graphic... They're going to be like, you got to tone it back. And then we can just do it regular bloody that we wanted in the first place. And then they'll be happy. Yeah, that's it. Oh, you and I will discuss this after Noah logs off. Maybe Brian, (laughs) it's still fresh in our minds. All right. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Uh, Well, let's jump into this week's double feature, I guess. Uh, I decided we were going to celebrate. Jamie Lee Curtis getting an Oscar nomination for everything everywhere all at once. Like, let's look at two of her earlier movies that have a little uh, uh, suspense in them. So we're going to talk about Prom Night and Blue Steel. I don't act like there's anything more to it other than the same actresses in them. <laughs> You're oh, like, no. oh, they both have suspense in them. Nope, nope. Come on. That's 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 all. That's all it took was Jamie Lee that's, Curtis is in both of them. So that's that's enough. I just tried to pick two like more like horror esque type movies. 
Um, Blue Steel, not so much, but Prom Night for sure. Uh, Noah, do you want to run down Prom Night for us? Uh, Sure. A bunch of little dickhead kids kill one of their (laughs) friends. You're not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Bully is a strong word. It's, I it's mean, those, those kids are pieces of shit, man. It's the 80s. They were just taking their game about killers really, really seriously, and something went wrong. They didn't have the internet, Noah. But, uh, yeah. They don't so, kill her. They just scare her until she falls out a window. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Girl, girl dies. Years later, her brother and sister uh, and, and father, played by... Uh, Leslie Nielsen is the dad, right? Am I crazy? He seems like he's the dad and principal of the school. Yes, yes. yes he's he's both. It's pretty odd. <laughs> well, you guys are acting yeah. like it's hard. Yes, Leslie Nielsen I didn't plays think there. Was, was either. The father, he, does, it, he does sort well, of disappear throughout half the movie. So. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. My brain, I don't know. Some, a wire got crossed there because I, I was getting ready to say dad. And then I was like, no, he's the principal. But yes, he's, he's both things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're all getting ready for prom. Uh, and it's pretty much just a, a fucking long ass movie about getting ready for fucking prom. And then the last 20 minutes of the movie, it turns into a really good slasher. Yep. I would agree with that. I always forget how fucking slow this movie is. Cause you're like, what in the fuck is going on in the middle of this movie? It like stops being a horror movie. They try so uh, hard to be Halloween. That's what this is. They are just desperately trying to be Halloween and it's not quite working, but you can see like they're even doing like the establishing shots outside and things like that, where you're just like, they really, really want to to make the same movie that John Carpenter's. They just don't have the skill to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I saw this. I've only ever seen this once and it was a long ass time ago. And I just remember not liking it. And I'm like, well, I just rewatch it because I'm sure maybe it's not as bad as I remember. And I will agree it's not as bad as I remember because I do think the the last 20 minutes, like Noah said, actually is pretty good. But man, yeah, all the other stuff leading up to it. It's like, Jesus fucking Christ, something happened. Yeah, like I don't think any of it is really poorly done. It's just a lot of it feels sort of pointless and like, why are we spending so much time on this stuff? You know, like all the, like there's like multiple Jamie Lee Curtis dance scenes in this movie. And I'm like, I don't know if we need that. Oh like, God, I don't know if anybody it, wants to watch her do a full like, choreographed dance. It's like seven and a half fucking minutes long. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it, it's like, and that's the thing is like, if we spent more time like with the killer or whatever, and there's like all the like red herrings that are just the most obvious red herrings that you're like, no one believes that that janitor guy who the girl moons is the killer. Like nobody thinks he is right. Nobody no. was confused by that. And it's just, no. so it's like, it is a lot of just like a lot of lead up. And then at the end you're like, Oh, it's the most obvious person that it could possibly have been is the one who's the killer. And you're like, of course it is. Why wouldn't it? Why, why would we have ever believed it was anyone except him? <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, this this film feels a lot like a Giallo film, 
with with the major exception being that the killer actually makes sense at the end and it's not just some (laughs) random (laughs) fucking character that we've met once weirdly something the film does right even though it doesn't realize it's doing something right I was thinking that I was like this is very Giallo-esque throughout most of it yeah even like the weird obscene phone calls that don't really go anywhere well see here's the thing here's the thing right all this movie is is a compilation of things that came before it put into a neat package so that the movies that come after it have something to rip off. I think that that's what their, the goal was here because it's just it's the, the phone calls are from Black Christmas. The big, long establishing shots and the group of three girls getting ready for the big dance is all Halloween stuff. You've got the, the weird side plot with the bullies who are clearly the characters from Carrie. Like there's no other way to look at them. They may hey, no. as well have hired John Travolta to play that guy. Like John, John Travolta doesn't have a unibrow. It's it, it, I know. Cause they couldn't afford John Travolta. So they had to go get <laughs> the guy with the unibrow to pretend to be him. But it's like, it's all these movies that came out in the years leading up to it. And they all, they stuffed them all into one movie. And then, everybody quotes this movie as the inspiration for other movies that came after it. And I'm like, yeah, because it's hard to rip off all those movies at once. It's easier to just rip off prom night and you're kind of getting pieces (laughs) of all those other movies. It's so funny to see. uh, Can one of you guys explain to me the physics of what the fuck happened to Jamie Lee Curtis in this movie? How did she go from a teenager in Halloween to a 45-year-old, like, Karen mom in this movie, in which she's supposed to be in high school. And then somehow, the next movie we're watching is in 1990, and she aged back down to 20 years old. (laughs) Well, it's the exchange rate. This is a Canadian film with both Halloween and Uh, are American, so that's all it is. That makes perfect sense. It's also that weird, that weird fucking haircut they give her in this movie is part of the problem. I think I don't understand why they did that to her. It's like not long, but it's also not short. It's really weird. I don't know why they did that. Well, she's got like a fucking curly lady mullet. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of her haircut from the fog. Uh, uh, If we're going to discuss her rather than like a sexist person like Noah who only wants to talk about her look, I'll point out great great performance, right? Like two years after Halloween, still playing a high school girl, like playing a completely different character than her previous slasher work. And just like she's gone from being the like shy, virginal innocent one to being the cool party girl and all that. And she, she does it really well. And it's like, it's not just, you know, people think, Oh, she's a scream queen. She just shows up in these horror movies, but she's doing a different thing here than she does in her other roles, which is pretty impressive for a young actress like that. Yeah. She wasn't too bad. I mean, like it's not groundbreaking. I'm not suggesting one. I mean, but it is, it she's is not, clear that she's doing something totally different from Halloween right? in a movie that's trying so hard to be like Halloween that they hired the actors from it. Like, weirdly, she's not really involved with the main story throughout most of it. Like she's kind of aloof of what's going on because she's not being targeted, obviously. Yeah. Um, well, so nobody like, really <laughs> knows what's going on, right? Like just 
the killing all takes place in one night. So leading up to it, other than everybody getting these weird phone calls, nobody really knows that they're being stalked. Yeah. There is no like lead up to it. Like they're like all the, all they're concerned about, all the characters are just concerned about prom. Like that one girl is just wants to like, she wants to get a date to the prom and sleep with a nerdy guy in the back of his van. And that's it. Like that's, that's all she's interested in. Which I have to admit, it was a pretty sweet ass van. It was honestly, it was a nice van. It was clearly served for no purpose other than banging in. It's not like a, a practical van at all. Not like the A-Team van or something that serves a real purpose. The only way that van could have been better is if it had a sick-ass wizard painted on the side. <laughs> <laughs> what about that guy's like smooth move of just like pulling up the girls on the street and being like, you need a ride to school? I'll give you a ride to school, then later we'll bang in my van, right? And yeah. that girl is just like happens to not have a date and goes, all right. So I'm going to bang this guy sure. in his van. Sweet. She's excited about it, too. But it's, it, it's almost like if she'd said no, that guy would have been a creepy weirdo. But since she's into it, then whatever. I guess he's just not. <laughs> and then he admits it's his first time afterwards. Yeah. So he bought that van. That's a bold move, man. That's <laughs> <laughs> a bold move. To invest all that money in that van when you don't even have a girl lined up for it yet. I don't yeah. know, man. It's, like, I don't even Gotta know if this is going to work. Let's find out. Do you think she's she's I, like the first person he pulled up? Like, he's pulling out of the dealership, and he just pulls up next to her. He's like, hey, need a ride to school? She's like, sure. And he's like, damn, that does work. I think, I think one of the cruel twists of fate of this world is that the type of dude who would buy a, a sick-ass banging van like that is not the type of dude that could get a chick. To bang him in that van. <laughs> yeah, he was just perfect place, perfect time. Apparently, it was. It makes me wonder, like, if there was a whole thing where, um, you know, he overheard them talking about how she needed a date to the prom, and he's like, "I won't ask her yet. I still got. I'll pick up my van from the dealership tomorrow, and then I'm on it." <laughs> I felt like they were acting like he didn't even go to school there. He was going to school there uh, later on, but it seemed like nobody knew who he was. Yeah. And then after he met this girl, then he was just part of the school again. Like apparently the school is big enough that students that are all in the same grade don't know each other. I don't know. Yeah. No, it is weird. I do like when he we get we the van turns into one of the uh, the big fight scene between him and the killer. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I do like I lo- when he's driving and the killer's like hang. Yeah, when the guy's hanging on the side as he's driving away too. Yeah, and he keeps like spinning his wheels out in all the grass yeah. and stuff. Yeah, the whole mover van guy too. Like he like he's going back there and he sees his his date get killed. It's a pretty fun kill to watch. And then you just see him give that like kick and knock the killer out. And he's like, he's like, fuck this. I'm running. <laughs> I enjoyed that whole sequence. After he like made her go back to the van to bang in there again, because she wanted to bang outside. But he's like, I think there's a killer in the woods. Let's go bang in the van. <laughs> I do always forget how much I enjoy, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's Scream Queen years. 
Yeah. I think I still, I've never seen Terror Train. Have you guys ever seen Terror oh, Train? Oh, yeah. yeah. We, d- we did it on the last show. That's why I didn't pick it for this week. If I would have known, we could have made an exception. Yeah. We could always do another Jamie Lee Curtis week. I think there's a couple of more horror films in her repertoire. <laughs> no, if we go gonna, looking. I was going to say we could do uh, a Terror Train and uh, Road Games. Yeah, that's perfect. Uh, <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis vehicular themed <laughs> Done and done. That may be what Doug yeah. picks for next week. Because Ro- Road Games got <laughs> like has a fucking <laughs> Stacy Keach in it too, right? Yeah, Stacy Keach sure is a truck driver, as a weird Australian truck driver, I think, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Been a while. Um any other good kills? Um, trying to remember them now. That, I mean, that head rolling out, the bully, when the bully gets his yeah. head chopped off and it just comes rolling out and then the whole, the whole like, prom just freaks out and Rose storming out the doors. <laughs> that's it. That's a fun moment, watching that head roll across the dance floor like that. I yeah, enjoy that. The killer hits the electrical line by accident, shocks the shit out of him. Yep. Yeah, that's definitely the best one. I do really enjoy the the last kind of fight sequence between Jamie Lee Curtis and her boyfriend and the killer. The sort of three way fight scene, and they, the whole thing where the axe goes sliding under the table and Jamie Lee goes crawling under to get it and stuff. <laughs> it's all fun to watch. It's like it's great. I, I don't know. And then that moment when she smacks him in the head with the axe, and you see the blood coming through the eye hole of that ski mask. And then she locks eyes with him and realizes it's a brother. It's a pretty yeah. cool moment. Like it's really well done. Yeah, it's done pretty good. Yeah, like I, I think the reason this movie is so famous is because it came out at a time when you didn't watch movies as repeatedly, right? Like there's pre yeah. pre really every everybody having a VH, uh, VHS machine, so it was like you were just you saw it once and you're like, whatever that last impression was. And obviously the, the impression it comes from the last 20 minutes of the movie, which is just real high octane slasher movie fun. Yeah. Once it gets going, it gets going really good. Man, we have to live That's, through like the, the, uh, like teen, not even comedy, just like the teen high school experience of everybody hating each other. Yeah. That's part I of mean, it. And it's like, ugh. There is a lot of just Jimmy Lee Curtis and that blonde girl being caddy to one another because they're fighting over that guy. And it's like, I don't know if we need that as much, but I don't I don't think I'm as down on it as you guys sound like you are. I think I'm like, it's OK. It's just. It, I just feel like it's, it's, a, it's a lot. It, it, I mean, because nothing is really happening, right? Yeah. They, they should have had the group of kids at the beginning be a little bigger. And had a, you could have sprinkled a couple of kills in throughout the middle of that movie, right? And then have just the ones that are at prom be the, the big ending. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's slasher movies were still finding their way in 1980. And, you know, these guys were following the Halloween template of all the kills happening in one night at the end. They just picked prom night instead of Halloween. They hadn't, yeah. they hadn't yet figured out that campgrounds were really the, the soft spot <laughs> to murder a bunch of teens. Um, yeah. 
It just seems like they could have got to the prom sooner. Just spread out the killing a little bit more throughout the. But that would have just meant two or three more dance sequences, though. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if we needed any more dance sequences. What the fuck was up with that? So, yeah, the, the, the bitchy ex-girlfriend shows up and Jamie Lee Curtis and, and her boyfriend see her and like, let's show her what we can do. And they fucking go out on that light up like disco dance floor. Is and that, just, uh, I'm just like, what the fuck? Maybe my high school experience was just different from other people's, but I was never in a dance off. I never witnessed a dance off. I'm not convinced that there's any such thing as a dance off in real life. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. but if you watch these movies from this time period, it's very common for them to show off by doing these like choreographed dances. And it's like, I don't, when did they learn that? Like every day after school, they're practicing dance for two hours. Like, well, she was, it makes you, no saw her, sense. you saw her setting up at the gym. She was practicing. Yeah. That's yeah, a good I point. don't, I don't recall in all my years of school seeing a person who could dance for shit <laughs> like anyone at all ever. Yeah. I did go to high school in the nineties. I, I saw some mosh pits. I don't know. If that count. <laughs> I saw, I saw a room full of eighth graders, uh, Scream the bridge of bad habit by the off scream at the <laughs> off <spring. laughs> because the uh DJ cut the song off. <laughs> this is probably the right. happiest moment of my life. I've never like it hits that <laughs> point in the song, he oh, turned shit, it off, motherfuckers. yeah, and just <laughs> a whole room full of eighth graders screamed it. <laughs> I still listen to that song when I'm like on my lunch break from work and strolling around my suburb. And then when it goes off, if somebody's walking by, I get a little bit of joy from the fact that they don't know that that's being screamed. <laughs> like that, those other people who are just walking their dog on their lunch break are like, probably think I'm a normal human being. Um, I had to listen to a bunch of skinny white girls uh, sing uh, Baby Got Back. My eighth, grade, <laughs> eighth grade dances and just be like, these are not people who should be singing this song. Number one, they're all skinny white girls, and it doesn't even matter. Yeah. Ain't oh. ain't one of you got no back. <laughs> My anaconda don't want none. <laughs> all right, sorry. We're, it's, it's time to stop this now. All right. Uh, Leslie Nielsen. Not one goddamn joke in the whole movie. What the fuck was up with that? He was still Day of the Animals, Leslie Nielsen. He wasn't the yeah. comedy guy yet. Yeah. He's like the big name in it. His like name is like all over. Like he's like the top build and stuff. So I'm like, okay, he was like the get. But I don't understand how he was the get. Like I don't know what he was famous for at this point. Uh, creep? No, not creep show. I don't know. When did creep show come out? Eighty one. Uh, like eighty two. I want to say. So yeah, he he had like a little horror movie career before he became known as the slapstick comedy guy. And it's weird. Yeah, also, like, so. why was he already old in 1980? Did anybody understand that? <laughs> His hair is pure white and shit. And I'm like, that's how I remember him being in like the 2000s. Him and Steve Martin, they were just born that way. Yeah. Well, because... 
Right, but wasn't it pre pre airplane? He was considered to be like a super serious actor, right? Yeah, I don't know. yeah. Airplane was the first thing where he was like comedic, and that's why if you look at him, he's playing it all straight because that's what he's used to doing. That's what makes it like way funnier. I was gonna say I don't think I remember him from anything pre airplane. No. He was, in, he was in a lot of rain. Like he was in Forbidden Planet and stuff. Yeah. Like I, I again, I know him from Day of the Animals and Creep Show and shit <laughs> like that. Like, well, Creep Show, he actually has to put in a performance. Day of the Animals is just yeah. all about him showing off his masculine chest, to prove how tough he is. Yeah. He has a dance scene in this too. Everybody does. <laughs> you cannot be in this movie. And the only people that don't dance are the ones that sneak off to bang in the van. They're the only ones. Everybody else has to dance. Even the like big tough guy puts on his uh, top half of a tuxedo with his jeans still on, like he's a fucking wannabe Fonzie, <laughs> and goes hey. dancing. It is such a wannabe Fonzie look. I don't. That guy is also like forty-eight years old. I don't know why he's yeah. in high school. No, he shouldn't have been there. We should. We should point out this movie has like all those '80s tropes of like people who are way too old for high school. We've got the like he walks up and like starts forcing himself on Jamie Lee Curtis in the middle of the school library, and then the other guy like steps into defender and they get into a fight and nobody is there to say like, yeah, that guy was defending her from getting raped in front of all of us. Like they all just act like it's a normal high school fight. Like to, uh, you know how boys are. And it's like, no, no. One of those guys was trying to force himself on a woman against her will. And one of those guys was defending that woman. They are not equals in this scenario. <laughs> and then you have the Leslie Nielsen character. Cause he's like, when they get in the room, he's like, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking I'm going to give him preferential treatment just cause he's my kid. But you're right, I am. <laughs> Don't say that. Man, he'd be sued so bad it's, today. It's so funny. And I'm just the whole time I keep thinking, like, like, say you're giving him preferential treatment because he's not the one that was raping anyone in the fight. Like, it's a, <laughs> that's a good reason to give someone preferential treatment. You can say that. Say that on the record. Um, I don't know anything else about prom night. Oh, I don't know. It is amazing how much better prom night two is than this movie. Hello. I don't know if I agree with that. They're totally I, different. They, they, they're totally they sh- different, but they shouldn't, I, they shouldn't have the same title. I enjoyed the second one so much better. I don't know. I, I like this one. I, I'm high. I'm way higher on it than you guys are. I, th- I just don't think I'm as bothered by the like long lead up. I I do like a lot of those old 70s movies where it's like, you know, 80 minutes of lead up and 10 minutes of climax. So this one is is that. And it's so fun. It's so fun to watch this movie, like just blatantly rip off every famous horror movie that came out in the 10 years leading up to it. (laughs) Yeah, I just wish there was more going on. There's not like I said, there's no like lead up doesn't feel that interesting to me, I guess. Yeah, it it needed 
kills happening in the background of all that teenage nonsense. That's that's what it needed. And slasher films would learn that as the 80s went along, but this was still so early that they just didn't know the formula yet. Yeah, yeah, but I, I don't think it's it's not bad. I mean, it's a perfectly serviceable movie. It's just got a, a boring bit in the middle. That's that's that super awkward moment too, where that girl moons the janitor at the school, and I'm like, I don't know if teenage girls generally like flash their naked body parts at the creepy janitor goodnight. That doesn't feel like something that really happened in high school either. Yeah, the creepy janitor guy that stares at all the girls and stuff like he wants to wants to rape him or something oh yeah well i'll teach him a lesson i'll moon him yeah that doesn't make any sense i do do find it weird that this movie for is i i'm I'm trying to think of a decent word because i I don't want to trash on it harder than it deserves to be trashed on i'll call it a mediocre for as mediocre of a horror movie as it is it's such a recognizable brand. Yeah. And maybe that's because Jamie Lee Curtis was in it, you know, but I don't, I don't know. Well, and I think because it, this along with Friday 13th and Halloween were recognized as the start of the slasher trend and everything that came after it does sort of feel like a rip off of it. And everything that came after it is a rip off of it. It's not, you know, um, so I think it's it, it's recognizable in that way, in the sense that it came first, even if it's not necessarily the best. Yeah. And it serves it. to teach you the lesson of if your kids are little shits, maybe don't let them kids be little shits. <laughs> I do love that that opening scene is like it's the so it's such a 1980s thing where they're like just playing in like an old abandoned building playing some game where they're like clearly the one kid is scared and the rest of them are like no we're in the middle of a game we're not going to stop just because you're scared and then when she gets hurt their solution is well if we just move our bikes from the front of the building no one will know we're here and that's like well that is kind of how it worked back then that's how you knew where everyone was <laughs> Maybe we'll have to dive into uh, Prom Night 3 and 4 at some point. Mm. Never watched them. Didn't I watch 3 at one point? Uh, maybe. may have watched it and hated it. Or I may have tried to watch it and something went wrong. I think I might have tried to watch a free YouTube stream of it one day and it just didn't work after. Probably for the best. But Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's a... I've definitely seen 4 at some point, but like when it was new kind of thing rented it off the uh, the new release wall jumbo video kind of thing jumbo video all right well doug do you want to run down blue steel for us uh all right so blue steel jamie lee curtis is a new police officer first day on the job she uh her partner have stopped by snacks she sees a Tom Sizemore trying to rob the store across the street. So she sneaks in there to stop him. He pulls a gun on her. So she shoots the shit out of him. Like 
blows him away like as if she's a cop from today. Um, <laughs> just like nine bullets into his chest. Um, or acts like she's like Schwarzenegger or something. Come on. Yeah. But uh, so one of the patrons at the store is uh, played by Ron Silver, and he he fucking loves watching that. He ends up grabbing the thief's gun, and he now goes off and becomes a serial killer where he is shooting people with the gun that he stole and carving Jamie Lee Curtis's name into the bullets. He carves some other name, but it represents Jamie Lee Curtis because they tried to make me think she had a different name in this movie, but she's Jamie Lee Curtis, so I will not learn her other name. Um, that's not how that works. Um, so she is initially she's suspended from the force, but because these other killings start, she's now brought back in and promoted to detective because that's how that works. Um, and she's oh, that, nowadays, with, that is kind of how it works. She's teamed up with uh, Clancy Brown, um, who's going to protect her slash figure out who's doing these killings. Meanwhile, in her personal life, the Ron Silver guy has has introduced himself into her life and they've, they're dating now. He eventually basically confesses to her that he's the killer, but nobody will believe her for reasons that we're going to have to get into. Um, so she tries, she's trying to stop him, but nobody will let her do the investigation into him. He eventually kills her friend, even though she eyewitnesses it, they still won't arrest the guy. Um, he starts showing up at her parents' house where there's a weird sideline about her dad being an abusive fucker. Um, so eventually, yeah, it leads to this climax of, you know, her basically, uh, hunting him down and deciding she's going to have to kill him because they won't let her arrest him. And then after she's successful, now she can still be a cop again. That's about the plot, right? Sure. So out of the gate, we have to talk about the worst thing about this movie, which is, and that is the fucking Foley because the wet kissing sounds of fucking silver and Jamie Lee Curtis in this movie is just skin crawlingly awful. I can't say that I honestly noticed them. How the fuck did you not notice I, that? Cause it was like torture ever. And ever I was like, Oh no, they're going to kiss again. It was, <laughs> I didn't notice it either. <laughs> oh, God, I, I don't know. I'm really glad that it upset you, Noah. But I'm afraid I can't say for sure if you're correct or not. Oh, oh, it was like nails on a chalkboard. It was awful. Mm. Uh, I will say. So the two best things about the movie are number one, those fucking late '80s, early '90s giant fucking squibs they use whenever somebody gets shot. That's awesome. Yes, it is. It is way too much blood for like what's going on in the movie and for the tone of the movie. Every every person is just a balloon sack filled with gore. (laughs) Like, (laughs) uh, and man, Silver's performance—he just he goes. Full fucking like, I don't even like American psycho crazy. Yeah, yeah. 
that that like uh, that's the thing I was going to point to as the the highlight of the movie is his performance, and he's not a guy like he's been in like everything and you never think about him as a good actor or a bad actor. He's just an actor in the background. You're like, Oh, it's that one with the beard. I know him. But in this movie, he is, he leans into that role and he does that thing where he's like all sinister and shit in certain scenes. And then he just falls into his nice guy mode again. And you're like, and then cut to cut to a scene of him working out, talking to voices in his head. Yeah. What about the scene where he's on the roof and he's shot that one hooker who he's on the roof with for some reason? He's and, rubbing uh, her blood-soaked sh- yeah. crochet on his body. Yeah. He just yeah, he strips himself down and so that he can rub the blood all over his body and then lets the rain wash it off and then just gets dressed and leaves. <laughs> and you're like, ah, oh, that's it's so sick. And when he finally goes like at the end, he's like almost feral when he's like digging up because he because he hides the gun in the park. And when he starts digging it up and he's like digging like a dog, it's so animalistic. And you're just like, what? He's, you're just watching him descend. It, and, it definitely is interesting seeing a movie that's got Clancy Brown in it. And Clancy Brown's one of the most subdued characters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like he plays, he plays it so low key in this movie. And you're like, what the hell is happening right now? <laughs> he's doing exactly what he needs to do. Like he's doing it well. It's just he you're used to him standing out and he really doesn't. He's still got that like weird hair from when he was in Bad Boys. Kind of a little bit too long for an adult to have. Got the uh, Lionel Richie mullet thing going on. Yeah. There's a lot like the the acting overall in this movie is really good. Even like uh, like Richard Jenkins is in this movie as like a lawyer. Uh, I have some issues with the way the character plays out, but the performance is solid. He plays just a slime ball just right. And uh, whoever that guy is that whose name I don't know that plays like the chief of police. He's good. Kevin Dunn. Sure. Why not? I just said I don't know his name. Yeah. Well, I just told uh, you. Is it? Okay. Yeah. He, but he's like, he's good. Um, you know, like all of like all the performances are good. I like the mom. It's a smaller role, but she plays this like weak, like I don't know, like abused woman is what she's playing, and she does it really well. Where she's just like all meek and quiet and scared to say anything in front of people. And I, I really like the performance. Uh, I Louise, don't. Uh, Louise. God damn it! What's her name? She's Nurse Ratched from One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, but it's Louise something. I can't remember her last name. Did, did we randomly mention that, that the, the random uh, oh, grocery yeah. store robber at the beginning is Tom Sizemore? Yeah. yeah. Which, uh, this is a weird Tom Sizemore fact, question mark. So Joe Blow has listed that he's like in intensive care in the hospital. And I have not seen it mentioned anywhere else on the internet. Hmm. I mean, he's had a rough go. He's had a rough go like drugs and everything. And he's, he's had some real bad times. So it's possible that something caught up with him. He was also like, wasn't he like married to Heidi Fleiss at one point? <laughs> yeah, he was. Like, like maybe don't marry a hooker. I don't know. She uh, wasn't a hooker. Trying... She she was a madam. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm trying not to be judgmental, but I, it feels like it's not the best life decision. Uh, Louise Fletcher was her name. It's been bugging me. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Elizabeth Pena is in this too. Plays uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's best friend. Yeah, I was surprised when the opening credits are going. I'm like, I know everybody in this movie. Yeah, it's weird. This this is the first time watched for you, right, Brian? No, I saw part of it when I was younger. Um, but again, I think I was like ten, and I was like, oh, it's a bunch of people talking. I don't, yeah, I don't really care about this movie. Well, it is. Yeah, I mean. One thing we haven't talked about yet is the atmosphere and it is a thriller um, kind of, you know, I don't know, like a, like a cat and mouse type thriller with these two characters playing off each other. Yeah, it's got good back and forth. It's because he he is he weirdly becomes like the inverse of the like Death Wish, Charles Bronson's character. Yeah, he gets a gun and he's like, sweet, I'm just going to start murdering people. Yeah, there's something about watching her shoot Tom Sizemore that, like, the impression I get is, like, something went off in his brain. And they, they keep showing him, like, he's a stockbroker, and they keep showing him on the stock floor, and it's, like, the old-timey one where, like, people are yelling over each other and waving their things in their hands and stuff. And I feel like there's trying to be a bit of a message there about how those guys are inherently a little off the rocker because they choose to do that. Yeah, so so we do get him murdering people, which is good. Um, which I'll just say, spoiler. I think I think the whole movie is good. Uh, but then it's offset with he tells Jamie Lee Curtis he's a fucking psycho serial killer. She tries to tell everybody, but nobody believes her. So then it be- just becomes this weird, like psychological, like I'm gonna do all this shit that you can't prove. That just lets you know that I'm I'm fucking crazy and I'm probably going to try to kill you at some point. But when you you tell people, everybody's like, yeah, but she's crazy and he's an upstanding citizen. He would never do something like that. I just feel like both of it play off. It gives each other like really well. Yeah, I think they play off each other really well. I think the script isn't quite perfect. Uh, like, I really liked this sure. the first time I watched it, but then watching it a second time with like, you're a little more critical when you're watching it the second time I find. And it's like, like some of the stuff where she's like, I watched this guy shoot my best friend and then knock me over the head unconscious. And the lawyer's like, well, was he behind you? And then they're just like, well, calling off the whole investigation. He was behind her. So there's nothing we can do. And it's like, I don't think that's how it works. When you've got a police officer who's the eyewitness to a murder, I think they tend to be given the benefit of the doubt and you'd at least continue the investigation, take the guy in for questioning, that kind of stuff. You know yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And again, towards the end when he shows up at her parents' house, like that's enough. If she if she tried to arrest him for murder and a couple of days later she comes into her parents' house and he's sitting there, that's enough to get him arrested on some sort of harassment or stalking charge. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. They're not gonna they're not just gonna keep letting that go. And it I think there's probably like with a with a slightly better script, you could have made all that work a little more. You know? Because even at the beginning, like when she shoots Tom Sizemore and they're all like like they almost don't believe that he had a gun, but there's like three other witnesses that said he had a gun. Like, why, why yeah. are all these people suffering some weird mass delusion? Like, you know, 
Yeah, yeah, the clerk says, like, oh, he had something. It could have been a knife. And I'm just like, how how in the world do you not, yeah. like, that's not a knife whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, like, I feel like that line was added in to try to offset what I'm saying about, like, all yeah. these other people would have seen the gun as well. And they just kind of tried to sweep it away with a line of dialogue, and it doesn't quite work. Yeah. And plus, I think, it's, I think, it's 1990. Is there not yeah. like a security camera on the registers in that store in the middle of New York? Yeah, you would think. Seems like there probably would be. It, it feels well, like maybe, it's also maybe the 1990, is... so there could have been a security camera pointed directly at them, and the the video footage would have been so fucking bad <laughs> you wouldn't be able to tell if there was a gun or not. Yes, I guess. Yeah. I, f- I feel like the movie is not like the script isn't worthy of how good the movie is but i think it's like we i don't think we've mentioned it yet but Catherine bigelow directed it and she's obviously a great filmmaker yeah i wish somebody would have, would have told me that she directed this i had no idea yeah. so i think that's what it is i think that's what's hiding the flaws in the script is just how good she is at telling the story and then you mix that with these great performances that we're getting and it's like we're covering up for like bit of a weak storyline and just something that probably could have been fixed with a little bit more attention to detail in the script writing. Yeah. And I don't know. And there's some interesting subtext in the film that almost has become more relevant with time about the, uh, the, the sort of fetishizement of gun violence in this case, literally like he's literally boned up about gun violence. Yeah. He like at one point, as part of a sexual act, wants her to point her gun at him and stand in the same way she was standing when she shot the other guy and stuff like that. Right. Anyway. That, that, and he literally gropes her gun. He rubs her yeah. tit and then rubs her gun. Yeah. 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 Like it's, you're right. There's something there. There, there's, whether it's intentional messaging or not, or whether it's just trying to create a gross character for us all to gawk at on screen, there's something there about the way he sexualizes the gun violence that is just strange. And I guess it's not strange. It was considered strange back then, and now it's normalized. I I was getting ready to say, strange for you, a Canadian. (laughs) No. Um, I do find it weird that they do throw in the, uh, the, uh, subplot of her dad abusing her mom. Yeah. And she's like, fuck this. I'm arresting you. And then like cuffs him, throws him in the car. And then they just drive around talking. And basically he's just like, I promise I'll never do it again. And she's like, oh, okay. And then like, lets him go. Yeah. Yeah. It felt a little weird. And like, like there was maybe an unfinished storyline there. Like maybe they wanted to expand that and have it something to the effect of the mom is being abused by the dad. And that's allowing Jamie Lee Curtis to be taken advantage of because she was raised in that home. Like it, I was, yeah. I felt like maybe there was something there where like the reason that she's putting up with Ron Silver shit is because she thinks that that's how relationships work or whatever. But it, I don't think it's fleshed out enough to actually be anything. Did you guys happen to scroll the IMDb trivia or anything? No. It did, but I don't remember. It has it has one of the best things that I've ever heard in my entire life because it seems so derogatory. 
And it was uh, one of the a thing that, according to one of the co-writers of the movie, this movie is just a female version of The Hitcher. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, dude, you wrote the movie. What a shitty thing to say about your own script. Well, he also wrote The Hitcher, so. I, I know, but he's basically <laughs> like, I just sold it again. I just put I just put tits on the main character, and now it works. Or is that is that a bad thing to say, or is that a genius thing to say? Where he's like, I sold the same movie twice. It is actually now that you're saying it, it's not that different. <laughs> like all of a sudden, I'm realizing it, and it's like, yeah, Rutger Hauer runs over. Yeah, I can see it. Um, it's it's all set in one city and different things like that. But a lot of the, uh, the kind of the oh bones God. are the same. If only I had a time machine to go back and make some kind of even crazier version that's like Rutger Hauer being crazy versus John Silver being crazy. Oh, yeah, like killer versus killer. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Anything else? I don't know. I like. I like the movie quite a bit. I think the it's an extremely well made film. There's something about the way it looks. The shots that happen at night are lit kind of just right, using like those New York City light of like just never nothing's ever shut down. So there's always just lights on everywhere. Um, like I, say, I like a lot of the atmosphere. I like the performances. Jamie Lee Curtis is very subdued in this film compared to other movies. Like she. I do I do think she maybe doesn't she doesn't come across as like young enough, if that makes sense. Like when she's she acts like a cop a little too much for somebody who was on her first day of the job when all this stuff started. Um but yeah, it's it's all solid. You know, like I say, script stuff is problematic and could have been cleaned up a bit, but it was a nineteen ninety movie, so if that's your only complaint, it's Yeah, it is. It is good. I was. I say I'm not surprised, but I just I don't know. At first, I got concerned. I'm like, oh, I thought this was a serial killer movie, and then it's like, oh no, he turns into a serial killer. Okay, gotcha. It's it's. I I like the the Ron Silver character so much. Like I like the way he. It does seem like like something just goes off in his brain when he witnesses that killing and it makes him want to do more killings, which is just a fun idea too. And then of course, Clancy Brown is just running around. They both get to end up sleeping with Jamie Lee Curtis, which is funny a little bit. This is like Uh, a really early, early example of like being a strong female lead means that you can sleep around. Does that make sense? Like, you go back to like Halloween days, the girls that got killed were the ones that were like kind of had looser morals. But when you get into like modern times, it's like, no, 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 you're like, like she Hulk is allowed to just sleep around anytime she wants. And this is like an early example of that, of like part of being a strong female is having control over your own decision-making and doing whatever the fuck you want. Uh, weirdly, this movie is not on Blu-ray in the, in North America. It's a really, Underseen movie, I think. Yeah. 
Like, I've watched it twice now, and it's both been through free streaming services. And I'm like, I don't understand why a movie with this many name actors in it, directed by somebody who went on to win Academy Awards, good quality film that holds up, stands the test of time in a way that many movies from that era don't. Um, But for some reason, people just don't know it. And I wonder if part of it is because it's Jamie Lee Curtis and people still thought of her as that scream queen. So putting her in like a more serious film like this maybe hurt it from a marketing perspective, even though it doesn't hurt the actual film. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, although this is, it's after trading spaces, which I think trading spaces was like her, uh, breakout role that kind of took her out of horror movies and put her into mm-hmm. pop culture. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're right. It's it's quite a bit after Trading Spaces too, right? I don't know. It's I, I, like I never heard of this movie until I think I think it was like within the last two years, maybe when we covered Near Dark on the show. And I'm like, I wonder what else Catherine Bigelow did. And that's how I found it. Um, and I, I don't know why it's not more well known other than just. Maybe the era it came out in, too. It's a, a pretty serious film. Maybe that's not what was popular at the time. But what was popular at the time was more of the, like, still still that big 80s blow-up action movie was still what people wanted to watch. I uh, forgot to mention, uh, produced by Oliver Stone. True, yeah. Other big name in the, in the movie. Yeah, it's... It's weird, like all the big names that are involved for a movie that I don't like. I don't think you could you could tell people that you watch this movie and they'd really know what you're talking about. Yeah, it is kind of lost. It looks like it's it's an MGM movie. Maybe that's part of the problem. Blue, Blue Steel is that the one with Wolverine and the fighting robots? <laughs> yes. Uh, MGM went through a couple bankruptcies. Maybe that's why. Maybe the rights are all fucked up or something. Oh, maybe. Who knows? Yeah, I don't. I, understanding some of the like, business side of things can be weird at times. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. All right, what did everybody watch since last week? Well, obviously I didn't get to go see Ant-Man, because the world is full of bullshit. Uh... But I did. I did finish my rewatch of Breaking Bad. Yeah. Uh, and I and, and I gotta say, I agree with the popular consensus that it's probably the best final episode of a TV show. It I is, mean, at it least it's pretty good. Yeah, like in contention in con, contention for it at least because it it's just so clean. They kind of end every single storyline. And all the buildup and it's got a, like, you know what I mean? It's like a clean break. Uh, 
maybe the only thing that you don't get a uh, satisfying follow-up with is what happens to Jesse after he leaves, but that's what they made the Netflix movie for, right? That's right. But yeah. Yeah, man, that last that last season shit goes way off the rails. <laughs> yep. it's, it's just, yeah. I, I was... The, I mean, I'm assuming they knew they were making the last season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They, they had a wrap up date in mind. Yeah. But I just don't get, I don't, I don't understand how, so like it's slow build for four season and then season five hits and they're like, no, fuck this bug shit. <laughs> 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 they're like, Let's go. Let's go. Balls to the wall. Let's go. It works though. I, I don't think I've heard anyone complain about it. Everyone seems to agree that it works. Yeah. Well, yeah, they got to wrap it up. I mean, the it's it's also crazy that there it's five seasons of a show. Into all five of those seasons, or basically over just the course of like what a year and a couple months, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which I don't know, that's kind of baffling whenever you think about it. You're like, wait, what? Brank Cranston's character changed that much over a year? <laughs> like, <laughs> he it, went from- it's crazy, but yeah. When they, when, when he starts, like, I think it's at the beginning of season five where you see him, like, making the 51 out of the bacon or whatever. And you're like, oh, right. Like, he's only, <laughs> he's only, this movie started, this show started, like, five years ago on his 50th birthday and barely any time has gone by. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Solid. I, I don't know. It's just so solid. That, um, like I said, that last, that last episode where he basically just kills the fuck out of everybody and himself. You're like, okay, well, yeah. Uh, so now the question is, have you seen the, the edited video where someone edited in Tuco? Into Avengers Endgame. He ends up beating Thanos because he takes the Infinity Gems and just breaks them up and snorts them. <laughs> and somebody oh. edited it like using actual footage from both franchises and made it work perfectly. That's awesome. And then uh, I'm sure it's on YouTube. There's the video that they shot specifically for the DVD. Because the fan joke was that he was going to wake up, Walt was going to wake up, and it was just going to be his character from Malcolm in the Middle, and it was the whole Bob Newhart uh, finale for this for the show. Oh, yeah, and then they actually shot it for the DVDs because they're like, yeah, why not? Yeah, it's really funny. Uh, and then I did I did watch El Camino afterwards, mm-hmm. in which I I dug it. I, yeah. I just don't, it's got such a weird structure to it because they basically just made, I mean, calling it a movie seems wrong. It's just an extended episode. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. They, they marketed it as a movie so that people who weren't breaking bad fans might actually watch it. But in reality, it's just an, a, a, like a, a longer episode to tie things up. Right. It worked though. 
Yeah, and it and it worked fine. The the only weird thing was them happening to uh, create that additional villain out of whole cloth to give Jesse someone to take out his frustrations on since Walt so finally <laughs> killed everyone. <laughs> Come on. Trunk machine guns pretty fantastic though. Oh yeah. No, it's great. I'm not saying it's not great. I'm just I'm just <laughs> saying like I said they, that last episode they broke that shit off. They were done. <laughs> In this, they were like, okay, well, we need Jesse to get some catharsis, but there's no one left. <laughs> so we've, we've cleared the field. Uh, there was a guy that helped build his cage. And it's like, yeah, okay. I was kind of bummed we never got a Badger Skinny Pete uh, spinoff. Right. I feel like I could just hang out with those two, like... For yeah. multiple seasons of a show. That's one of my favorite parts at the end of Breaking Bad there. I think it's in the last episode where those guys are like hired to like shine a oh, yeah. those lasers on they got the laser pen on the people yeah. so that Walt can pretend that there's a sniper out there. <laughs> and it cuts to Badger and Skinny Pete just there. Like <laughs> fucking pen lights. A little spin-off movie with those two would be super fun. Yeah. So when are you starting Better Call Saul? Oh, I've already been watching it. Oh, there you go. And and I'm a little ways in. I'm, I don't think I'm through the first season yet. No. It's kind of, I, I feel like, so it's a great show. But man, they are really bending over backwards to kind of justify him being a piece of shit. <laughs> Oh, just wait. It'll, it'll all catch up. Right. I, I, yeah. Like it's just, I don't know. The, the whole thing's fascinating where they're like, no, no, he really tried to be a good guy and a lawyer and all this, but you yeah. know, even his brother, like his, his brother who is a fucking crazy person <laughs> who he's been taking care of nonstop for a year. Yeah. That guy fucked him too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Trust me. It's, I think by the end, you'll be like, oh, no wonder he turned into a piece of shit. Right. Yeah, but it's, it's like, I'm, I'm into it. I do, I do like the fact that they're really focusing on the fact that, you know, Saul's way more clever than they gave him credit for in Breaking Bad. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. yeah he didn't, he had stuff to do, but I mean, he wasn't trying to uh, be the mastermind behind all these elaborate schemes like stuff, but Breaking Bad, or Better Call Saul, he gets his chance to to shine. I do think one of my favorite Breaking Bad things, though, is is the fact that Hank and that other guy had that Huel guy, like, locked away in, like, a hotel room, and then they went out and got killed. No one else knew he was there. <laughs> so, so there's memes for like like for, for like years afterwards like yep he'll still just sit in that hotel room waiting for hank to come back that's you know what that's actually pretty funny i was they never <laughs> resolved Huel's storyline yeah that was the last time we saw him
Uh, did you watch anything else? No, that's it. What'd you watch, Doug? Uh, Ant Man. That's all. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, let's see. I didn't watch Jack shit this week. <laughs> Short episode. Um, I had to have watched something. What else did I do with my entire week? Yoga. Oh, that's right. I played video games and did yoga. I, uh, Xbox offered me to pick up Game Pass for a dollar for a month. So I was like, sure, why not? So I've been playing a, a game called Grounded, which is essentially just Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the video game. Nice. Shrunk down and you're trapped in your backyard and you have to fight off bugs and shit. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Um, Doug, did you uh, pick us movies for next week? Well, I did have movies picked out, but then somebody threw that second Jamie Lee Curtis week at us, <laughs> and I'm like, well, that still seems like a good idea, too, so now I'm pretty stressed, if I'm being honest. <laughs> but that one's not on the list, so let's go with something someone, from someone the list. Someone said Stacy Keach, and my brain erased <laughs> itself. <laughs> Stacy Keach's mustache, driving around in a semi in Australia. See, now you're making me want to go back to doing that again. <laughs> I did I did tell you guys, so like as part of my job, um they do these uh cybersecurity awareness videos that they send out. And they like randomly have named actors in them. And one of these five minute like workplace training videos is starring Stacy fucking Keach. And I sent everybody in the office an email, and I was like, "What is this company doing? They got Stacy Keach." <laughs> and everybody's like, "Who?" And you're like, "Fuck all of you." Just we end up on the weirdest rants. Now we're discussing <laughs> Noah's work training videos. <laughs> Well, we can't do Stacey Keach video movies next week because I don't want to deal with Noah going on and on about cybersecurity training. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we already did so class of 1999. Let's do our uh, our nepotism week next week. We do the opening films from the kids of well-known horror directors. So we'll do Brandon Cronenberg's antiviral and... Uh, What's her name's chained? Is it Jessica Lynch? I forget her first name. Jennifer Lynch. Jennifer Lynch. Chained. Alright. We'll get a little Vincent D'Onofrio next week playing a psycho. I remember enjoying antiviral, but Vincent D'Onofrio playing a crazy person. That's never happened. Believe it or not. Interesting. Uh, all right. Do you want to talk some some Ant Man so Noah can go fix his house or pay someone to fix his house or whatever the fuck he does? Sure. Why not? Like, I don't know if Noah has to pay anyone at this time of night. He might just want to go to bed. 
That's fine. Either way is fine. <laughs> Nap time for me. All right. That what just if, means you have to I, watch Ant Man. What if this I week? come back next week and I'm like, dude, Vincent D'Onofrio was in the, the video this week? Doug's going to be like, God damn it. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs> Bye. Uh, so spoiler alert for Ant-Man and the Wasp quantum media. No. Although I don't think there's a whole lot to spoil. Yeah. No, I mean, I think this movie is uh, the whole Ant-Man franchise is just more about having fun and doing weird and wacky shit. And that's what this movie is. Right. Yeah, completely. So what were your general thoughts? Uh, I really enjoyed it. I saw some article compare it saying it's like Marvel star Wars. It is. I don't uh, disagree with that. Um, it's just fun taking your characters, sending them in some weird setting. And then there's all these weird species of other characters that show up. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And that was a lot of fun. I thought Kang was very uh, evil, which I enjoyed. Just very yeah. serious and dark. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I, I had a lot of fun with it. I liked I liked the quantum realm and getting to know the characters that live down there. Um, just, I, I don't, they've walked that line, and that, I think one of the reasons it's being compared to Star Wars is because it is they're introducing all these weird and wacky little monsters but then they have just enough personality to make you like them you know the little goo yeah. monster who's complaining about having no holes and the guy that's reading everyone's minds and he's just like they're asking him questions and then they just look at that guy and he's like frustrated that he has to go through the effort of reading his mind because <laughs> he didn't answer the question <laughs> i like that you know he says it's the worst thing ever because people are gross yeah i mean it's it, it, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, like Bill Murray showing up just made me so happy. And he's eating that little slimy thing that it's in his drink. And then they just bigulate one of those slimy things so that it can eat Bill Murray. And I'm like, that's it's perfect. It's like Bill Murray in the MCU is like a no brainer. It was going to happen eventually. And this was the perfect way to do it because he's like just comes in, plays a smarmy asshole for a few minutes and then gets eight. It's perfect. <laughs> Yeah. I like I do think maybe having the whole ant family go down was maybe a little much like it almost feels like we could have enjoyed it more if it was maybe three people down there instead of five like they could have each everything could have felt like it had a little more stakes and been a little bit more meaningful you know well Hank didn't seem like he had a whole lot to do during most of it yeah. Does, he does get to ride in at the, at the end and yeah, his have his big glory moment. Down it. But you yeah. could have even like done that without bringing him down right away. Yeah, like it could have just been like you know, uh, Ant Man, the Wasp, and Cassie get pulled in. Well, I guess you need Janet as well. Yeah, but I don't know. You, you almost had, don't. You don't need the Evangeline Lilly character. Yeah. And Hank could have just shown up and he's been like, oh, we've been looking for you guys ever since you disappeared or whatever. And then, you know, fucking giant ants are tearing ass yeah. all over King's uh, city, which I was very excited about. It was fun to watch it. 
Um, yeah, everything everything was fun to watch. I enjoyed the the whole universe build up. Like I say, it, it suffered from that thing that it's like, you know, we're we're watching a revolution in this culture that we've been introduced to, and it feels like everybody's having a little bit too good of a time, and nothing's quite serious enough. <laughs> you know, like I. It, it's not so much really a criticism of this movie. I liked when the Ant-Man movies were fun and kind of low-key back when not everything in Marvel felt that way. Back when it felt like that's what this franchise does, but the Captain America franchise was doing something totally different. And, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it's maybe just, it's more about the you know, the, the MCU getting kind of samey than it is about anything else. Yeah. I liked the idea. I don't know if this is what they're doing or not, but I sort of like this idea that every like hero is going to have to fight like a variant of Kang and they can beat them. And then all the, all the Kangs are going to team up and they'll be unstoppable. Mm-hmm. I find that very interesting. It's like, if it, it feels like they're just going to have like, like, like Loki already had to fight Kang and now Ant-Man has to fight Kang. And I feel like whatever movie's next, it's just gonna be them fighting a different Kang. <laughs> That actor, he does a good job of playing all the Kangs differently. Yeah. Which is, yeah, he's done he's done a real good job so far. Yeah. This uh, this version of Kang is supposed to be like the worst one. It's the one that was so bad that all the others exiled him out of the Council of yeah. Kangs, which is which is fun and interesting. Yep. And he looks Kang, great in his suit. Hit that. Oh yeah. This Kang may not even be dead. He just someone pointed out that he got shrunk into the to the whatever mm-hmm. crystal core. He's in, blah, 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 blah. he's in he's in whatever's below the micro the, the quantum realm. Yeah. We don't know what's down there. So right. they they speculated he could he could have been like put into the core, so now he can just go to like whenever or wherever he wants he doesn't need his oh yeah chair or whatever um i could see that that'd be an interesting way to make him into a bigger villain where he could just pop up anywhere he wants right yeah yeah um so that can still be fun there's a lot of things where i thought were pretty good where it's like well you're building this guy up to be up like a thanos level like sort of villain even if he's not a full power yet then it's like, well, how does Ant, you know, fucking Ant Man of everybody end up defeating him? And they do at least put it in the line. He's like, well, I don't have to beat you. We just both have to lose. Yeah, which I thought was a lot of fun. Uh, they don't really stick with that. No, uh, there is speculation that they reshot the ending, other than uh, just being too bloody. But um, I, I think the early it, it early, feels that way early version was that Scott was going to Scott and the wasp Ant-Man and the wasp were going to sort of sacrifice their way home and be stuck in the quantum realm in order to defeat him. And they kind of feel like, did, I feel did, like did, that was that. the obvious, the obvious thing that they, you know, I don't know if they shot it or if they fixed it at the script writing stage or what, but it feels like that's what was supposed to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they kind of chicken shit it out. But. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I had, I had a good time with it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah. That's, um, 
I'm trying to think of like what else I liked and or disliked about it. Um, but what what what, you, what was your take on Modoc? <laughs> Modoc was a lot of fun just because he's a yeah. ridiculous character anyway. Yeah. And even like though, even though this is not like the actual like the version of Modoc from the comics, it was a completely different origin and is a completely different person. I thought they were able to incorporate it from the previous movies and have it work really well. Yeah, I agree. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I don't know Modoc that well from like I've watched that like six part cartoon or whatever it was, and yeah, I've seen him in a couple of those of like storybooks, not even comics, and it's like I. I just I I had a lot of fun watching him and like <laughs> just all of his ridiculous shit like at the end when he's like oh, at least when I died I died an Avenger and Scott's just, just like, lo- I, looking around like uh, yep yeah. sure yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of that stuff's it's just fun I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff where he's trying to explain to Cassie about how she she needs to live a normal life. And she's like, I had a guy dressed as a bee attack me in my bedroom when I was six. Yeah. Like, yeah, okay. Well, fair enough. That whole opening, I guess that if like we're getting into like maybe some complaints about the movie, the whole opening part where it's like she's getting into trouble by trying to help people and he's trying to tell her to shut up and she's saying, Hey, well you don't do anything anymore. And he's, he's pulling the old, like I traveled through time and saved the entire planet, literally saved trillions of lives. And they're like, yeah, but what have you done lately? Like, I feel like the, that was kind of all glossed over a little bit. Yeah. And they're, and they're all on his case about it. And they're like, Oh, you saved the world. Why don't you write a book about it? Oh, you already did. And I'm like, <laughs> don't you get to at that point don't you get to enjoy it like if you did what the avengers did in endgame i think you're entitled to just get your free coffee and be adored by people and take pictures and live a quiet life if that's what you choose i, I don't yeah. feel you should you, you know you shouldn't feel obligated to join another fight after that and it seems unfair that he's being mistreated that way but yeah and a video i watched points out that there doesn't seem to be like an active version of the Avengers going at the moment. So he doesn't really have to be like on call for anything. No, but that, I mean, that's the point Cassie's making is that you go look for the injustices and you to do something about it. And, and I, I understand what they're doing and I think the idea is okay. It's just, it feels like it's way too shorthanded and it glosses over everything a little too much. And that's why it feels a little weird. Yeah. But I do like that they still incorporate stuff sort of in a real world way, which is weird to say about these movies. Where yeah. uh like the blip is still like a problem. Yeah. Because she's like, Yeah, there's like a shit ton of homeless people because they lost their house because they disappeared for five years. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, I guess that would be a problem. Like you pop back up, like, what do you do? Because you probably don't have any money. I'm sure your bank accounts have been, I don't know, frozen is the right word. But, I mean, you know, your house is gone, so you have no, can't, like, sell it for more money. Is there some, like, fund to, like, give people who disappeared for five years money? I don't. 
I don't understand no, like how it would work. But yeah. No, and I I think it's you know like it's good that they're keeping that in people's minds. They're not ignoring it. But also, hmm. this is a comedy film. We're not going to get into those issues. So we sure. just have it as a as a background thing. Like, yeah, it's still going on in the world. We're just hmm. gonna we're gonna spend this whole movie in the quantum realm, so we don't need to address those real world issues. For sure. But even the fact that like Scott wrote a book, like that's come up in a couple of the other series, is like, how are these guys gonna make a living now? Like, being an Avenger didn't have a pension plan, you know. So what are you gonna do? Yeah. And so he wrote a book so that he can make some money so that he can just live his life and be a dad. Right. That's what he wants to do. And that's like, that's fair again. Like it, it's a reasonable thing. Plus it gives us an excuse for the, the opening narration, which I'm like, this is a lot of opening narration, but then when it cuts to, he's reading from his own book to a group of kids. I'm like, Oh, that explains why we had this big, long opening narration. I'm fine with that now. Makes <laughs> perfect sense. Uh, they didn't mention if him and Hope got married or anything, right? Still, I just think they're married. I, don't know. I have the the impression I get is that they're married, and yeah. that Cassie is living with them. It, it, it's a yeah, little bit know. like part of that is a little bit glossed over. I think just because they didn't have time to bring in like Judy Greer and the the new husband kind of thing. Yeah. Um, because like there's times where they're like she's talking about reading Hank's journals during the blip. But it's like, did she really know Hank going into the blip? Like a lot of that kind of, I think gets iffy. Yeah. And because, sure. because of the nature, because of the lighthearted nature of this film, you're just like, I don't, we're not supposed to be asking those questions. So just don't, but <laughs> don't worry about it. Yeah. Like it's, and then I'm like, if she's living with, I'm not sure how old she's supposed to be. Exactly. But like if she's living with Hope and Scott, but she's somehow sneaking over to Hank's place and like building machines in the house and no one else knows, it's a little bit all that stuff's a little questionable. Uh, well, Hank, it's all just Yeah, yeah. But it's all just kind of like hand waving to get us into the quantum realm. That's where they want us, right? Yeah, for sure. But I was just wondering, because she took over, because Hope took over Pym Industries. Now it's like Pym yeah. and Dime, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I would assume she's like super rich. So maybe. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense too. If she's like getting a CEO salary. Yeah. So then Scott's just like wrote his book and then he's like, Oh yeah, we're making tons of money off both of our careers. So we can just, yeah, you can go do science stuff and I can just hang out and do whatever. Yeah. So it's, uh, and, and, and I don't know. I, I guess say a lot of that stuff, I think I would have liked to get to know more of it, but I also don't want this movie to be a half an hour longer. So I don't know what you do. Like you don't want to cut out uh, quantum realm stuff. Maybe they do get into it. Cause I don't, I don't I'm, You're probably aware, but I don't know. Like, so they actually put out Scott Lang's book. Like you can go to a bookstore and buy it. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. So I wonder if some of that backstory stuff is in the book. Oh, it might be. Yeah. Never thought about that till right now. Okay. Well. It feels like you need to read that book for one of your YouTube videos, and then you can tell me next week. What... <laughs> I can just tell you what happened. Oh, okay. uh, do they have it on audiobook? Does Paul Rudd read it? Because that would be amazing. That'd be amazing. That I might actually get. Yeah. 
Um, I gotta say, my biggest disappointment: no Michael Pena in this movie. I mean, I've I've heard some people say like, oh, they should have brought him to the quantum realm and had him. And I'm like, at what point, like, did you want more people down there? Like, it's I, I don't know. Like, it feels like when they decided to set this movie in the quantum realm, they had to give up on bringing in the characters that we know. Like Jimmy yeah. Woo gets like one scene, right? Yeah. And it's like it's a cameo at best. We don't see the the mom and the stepdad of Cassie. We don't see any of Scott's friends. You know, and I get it. Like there, there's just no time for it. Again, I don't want I don't want every movie to be two hours and forty five minutes long. I don't know what you would cut out of this movie to make time to spend more time outside of the quantum realm, like. Unless you spent even less time on Kang's backstory or less time getting to know the characters in there, but you want to get to know those characters in order to be on board with their revolution as it happens. Yeah. I just, even if he just showed up for like a post credit scene where he like re, uh, just does his usual, like, well, I'm going to tell this story and it's hilarious. Like, I would have been fine with that. I could see that I would like I mean you could have a, a moment where he walks in and at the coffee shop with Scott and Scott gets a free coffee and then they charge him and he goes gets angry about it or whatever like <laughs> do you could do you could do a little joke like that but it would have been a cameo it wouldn't have been oh totally yeah he doesn't need to be in the whole movie yeah uh, yeah so I mean no audiobook version of Scott Lang's yet. book That's not yet what if Michael Pena reads the audiobook you never know anyways <laughs> What it's did you think out, about the uh, says sorry, it's what? coming out coming out on September fifth, twenty thirteen. Why would they? Yeah, why would they wait so long to release it when the movie's out maybe, now? Yes, but maybe it has spoilers for other movies that haven't come out yet. Maybe Jesus. that's my only guess. Thought it was out already. Oh well. What did you? Uh, what did you think about the fact that like Janet? was such an important character in this movie when we really didn't spend much time with her previously. Uh, I had no problem with it. They at least give us the conceit that, uh, she didn't say anything because she knew there was something terrible going on and she just didn't want, you know, cause she knew that if, well, if I tell Hank, he's going to be like, Oh, we should probably do something. And then, you know, we'll have to go in yeah. the quantum realm again and blah, blah, blah. I was fine with her explanation of why, um, I do find it interesting that she she lived that whole like life down there for like thirty years. Yeah, I find I find that interesting, and I liked what they did. It it's a little weird that she like never even told Hank that there were sentient beings down there. It was a little much, you know what I mean? Yeah, like the idea that she didn't tell him specifically about Kang or whatever is fine. But like she never mentioned yes, I like I no, I, I didn't sit alone in a room for thirty years. There were other people down there that I got to know and I know my way around and you know. Yeah. I, I do like the idea that she had a life down there and that it's it's just a little too convenient that it's coming up now. Yeah. I, I like her performance in the movie. Like she doesn't half ass it, which like yeah. big name actors sometimes tend to, you know. <laughs> yeah, I like Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. kinds of stuff so i'm always 
I'm always there excited a, to see her and stuff. They give her a couple of action moments, and I'm like, that's a mistake. Like, she's, I'm not trying to be rude, but she's an old lady now. Like, she can't, she's not doing the things that they have her doing in this movie. A couple of, there's only a couple of moments of it, but it's like that. That's a flaw. <laughs> have her be the one who's like doing the sciencey stuff. Same thing with like Hank. I don't think they give him much action, but. Yeah. You know, he, he walks in surrounded by ants triumphantly proud of himself and makes a joke. He, <laughs> Michael Douglas can still do that. He, he can't necessarily get into a fist fight. Yeah, but it's been nice to see him do actual Ant-Man stuff since we never really got any of his Ant-Man adventures. Yeah. It's like, it feels like there's a whole world that they could explore this ant-man is the one series that is like yeah no by the way there was a previous ant-man and a previous wasp and they had all these adventures and then she had her 30 years down there you know while he was living a little bit more of a reclusive life up above and then you know there's a whole there's a whole like sub-universe to the mcu that you could tell all these stories about <laughs> like you could make movies about her down there in her 30 years you could make movies about hank's adventures before he stopped being ant-man yeah yeah because there's no other i mean i guess hawkeye and black widow had some adventures but yeah i don't know if that's worth covering uh but like yeah like like hank and Janet are like the only two like retired superheroes that we really know about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we got what's his name Isaiah, Isaiah the Black Captain America from. Oh yeah, yeah. We could do some Winter stuff. Soldier like he, that would be a really interesting backstory. Like I'd like to see maybe Disney Plus do stuff about that. You know, look at these characters and tell the backstory that we never got to see. Because that way, it's not necessarily like you don't need to see it unless you want to. It'd be interesting that to just have that as a standalone story. Yeah. And you could even do it like in an anthology show or something, you know, dedicate like an yeah. entire series to it. It can just be like, Oh, here's an adventure. Yeah. These people went on and just have that be like one episode. You could do. Yeah. You could do an anthology series of like older superheroes set at different, and you could do each one in a different time frame and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'd be down for that. Yeah, it'd be fun. Like the hour, hour long episode of like, Hey, going on an adventure and, I don't know, the 50s or the 60s, whenever they said he was first Ant-Man. Yeah. They got to hire a different actor, though. Don't try to DH yeah. Michael Douglas for an entire hour. No, no, no. I agree with that. <clears throat> they could pull it off, I think. Yeah, they'd find somebody. I do like Michael Douglas in this movie. Like, he's kind of comic relief in a comedy film, which is full of people who are comic relief, but he's good. Just every time he... The, they're like, why do you switch to the ants? And he's just like, I just like ants. I think they're neat. Like, it's like, <laughs> you get on my back about it. It's... So the apparently point, people. Like... Oh, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, like the one point when they're like, they're, he, he talks like for several minutes and everyone just looks at him like he's crazy. He's like, I was doing ant science. <laughs> it's just okay. <laughs> um. I don't know. People have been like ragging on this movie saying that it's terrible. I don't understand Ah, that. I don't get that at all. Like I can understand like people who want 
more a more in-depth film being like okay this is like just a lightweight comedy film but that's what the ant-man series has always been right i've heard some people complaining about the quantum realm too and i'm like i don't get that i don't understand what they wanted from it yeah like they, do, you, do you just want another villain that can shrink and grow big like the first movie yeah i don't like iron man fought like in all three of his movies just yeah i don't i don't like i i don't think this movie was like great but i could sit down and watch it again tomorrow and still enjoy it i think yeah i would and too. I think they, they you know introducing kang in this way is interesting because you're able to establish him as this like bigger threat by showing what things he's already done without having to like give him his own whole movie mm. by having you know by having ant-man go in and join the revolution against him in this like mini world then you know what he's capable of if he ever establishes it in the real world yeah plus it shows you that he's got his army of like stormtrooper robots that are like okay so now we have someone for a group of avengers to fight if it's just him leading the battle of charge against them you know what i mean yeah in those the most star warsy of moments when they're like have literally just i think they just took the template from star wars and edited out the stormtroopers <laughs> and edited in those robots because those overhead shots where you're looking down on the groups of them i'm like god damn that's just stolen from star wars george lucas gotta sue somebody well not really yeah that's I mean, yeah. the fact that they, they could legally use the templates from Star Wars and just edit it out and edit <laughs> in the other. So. Uh, yeah, so they're saying that Ant-Man 3 is tied with Eternals for the lowest MCU Rotten Tomatoes score. I don't, I don't get that. 47%. <laughs> but then apparently it has like an 84% uh, audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. So. Oh, that, okay, yeah. That makes sense to me. Yeah, I don't. Critics, critics are stupid. Like I don't. Yeah, yeah. I've been seeing tons of other people though, talking about, like, posting on Facebook about how much they hated it. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? I don't. Like, I, I had I'd, a great time watching it. Like, I'd love to hear logical, rational complaints about the movie. Because again, like, I can understand that people want different things from their superhero movies, and like, personally, I would love to have some more Winter Soldier type films in the MCU. I'd love to get back to having different things like that go on, but uh, I don't, this is, I never expected that from Ant-Man. You know what I mean? He's called fucking Ant-Man. I don't know if you remember. It's like, it's called Ant-Man. He didn't want to be called Ant-Man. Watching some video, (laughs) some video where they showed clips from the first one. He's like, are you married to the name Ant-Man? Like, let's just give him that look. It's like, all right. That's funny. I don't think that happened in the movie, though. It must be a deleted scene, maybe. Uh, I or feel yeah, like it happened. Yeah, it doesn't, matter. doesn't matter. It's been a while since so I watched him. Man, so. <laughs> no. Yeah, I don't know. I had a good time. Uh, talk about the post credit scenes. The, uh, I didn't stick around for the second one. What? I really had to go to the washroom and I'm like, the second one is either going to be a trailer or it's going to be just a joke and it'll be online in a day or two anyway. So, all right. Well, <laughs> the first one, first one, we get to see the Council of Kang, which is pretty fantastic. Yeah. That's straight. That's pretty cool. 
Yeah. They all get together and then uh, sort of plan out how they can each take over their own respective realities and use all their forces together, which is a lot of fun. It's super interesting, the idea that instead of having one villain, you have this team of villains. It's a different way to do it. Almost an infinite number of villains. Yeah. Yeah. It, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how the hell they... How that like I assume that the Kang from the like what I think is gonna happen the Kang from the Ant Man movies is not dead, and he's gonna take out a bunch of those other Kangs, leaving just a few of them mm-hmm. as like to deal with in, in the actual movie. Like, well, you know, yeah, yeah, like in uh, Loki, the the He Who Remains or whatever his name was there. Yeah. Uh, talked about that they cause a multiversal war. So yeah, we're going to see, see Kang, see like an evil Kang take out most of them, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, second post credit scene. Uh, it's like we're back in olden times. There's a dude up on stage who we can't really see, and he's presenting something. Um, can't really tell what it is. Uh, reminds me of like uh, the prestige a little bit, like somebody up on stage, like yep. some presenting is like around that time period. Um, and then it's revealed that uh, the guy on stage is Kang, like a different version of Kang, but he's all dressed up to like blend in with the time period. Um, so obviously what he's presenting is some sort of time travel shenanigans, I'm sure. Uh, but then it, he's like, it's like in a theater. He's up on the stage, cuts down to uh, the uh, crowd, and we see uh, Loki and then Owen Wilson sitting in the crowd like, there he is. So it's obviously a tie into Loki season two. Yeah. So that should be fun. Yeah, so it won't make any sense until Loki season two comes out either. So Yeah, probably not. Because last we saw, uh, Owen Wilson and Loki didn't even know each other because of time travel shenanigans. Yeah. So I'm going to have to go back and rewatch Loki at some point and get my head around it a little better. <laughs> what? Time travel stuff makes you confused? Yeah, believe it or not. I did think of you when I was in the theater because, like, uh, when the movie ended, nobody left until the mid credit sequence, right? Yeah. And then some people got up and left. And there was one, like, super nerdy guy that came in and sat by himself, like, alone. And uh, the look of disdain on his face when everybody <laughs> else started leaving after the mid credit sequence, it made me think of you. You're just, like, he was just like, it, it was somewhere between I hate all you people for leaving and I'm so much better than all you people because I know to stay. And I'm like, <laughs> I know to stay, too. I just really need to pee, dickhead. <laughs> You could have ran out and peed and came back in. I guess I could have. The thing is, I actually went to this movie with somebody else, which I'm not used to doing. And like, I don't. Oh, then there's then what I'm going to have to explain to them why we're staying. And it's a whole thing. Everybody I know just knows better. Oh, you don't get up at the end of a Marvel movie. Yeah, I like that guy. I wish I knew him. We'd be friends. 
Look at these guys, right? What a bunch of idiots. <laughs> MC's also, only been around he, for like 13 years. Nobody knows to stay yet. He was sitting in the row in front of me, and I noticed him when he came in because he came in kind of last minute by himself. And he, which is fine. Like, I go to movies by myself. I'm not judging anyone for that. But he sat in a seat right beside somebody else oh. in a non-full theater. And I'm like, oh, no, no. If you're buying a ticket by yourself, like, you leave a gap between you and the, the other group of people, don't you? Did you have assigned and, seating in this theater? Yeah, it is. it's always assigned seating. Yeah, but he should have known better by looking at the map of think, available seats. I don't even know that you can go to a movie here without assigned seating. Oh, really? Yeah, even our like large house cinema has assigned seating now. Well, supposedly that's what our AMCs are moving towards because of that bullshit idea they have of charging people different prices depending on where they sit, which I think is bullshit. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I hope they don't. I hope that's not going to affect me, but I don't know. Uh, apparently, it's not going to affect people who have a list, which is what I have. Yeah, see, pay twenty exists here. Uh, pay twenty bucks, and you can see three movies a week all month, which is a complete an utter deal. If I go twice, I've made my money back. So, um, and apparently that's not going to apply to, but it means I'm still going to have pick seats when I order tickets. So I'm not a big fan of the so. only. I I like doing it. Um, the only thing I don't like about doing it is if you're meeting, you just want to meet people at the theater. Yeah. And you have to like coordinate and it turns into a whole thing. And then there's apps you can download to help you coordinate it. And I'm like, I don't want to do all that. Yeah. So you end up like standing beside one of those machines in the theater, like <laughs> buying your ticket. And then the next person has to come in and buy it and buy beside you. But then there's like the extra, it just adds more complications at some point. Like, okay, so other people aren't going to follow these seating rules. So you're going to come in, somebody will be sitting in your seat. So you're going to have to make this big commotion about like, ah, excuse me, you're in my seat. You're going to have to move. And then if you don't want to deal with that, you're like, well, I'll just sit somewhere else. But then possibly you're in someone else's seat and the same thing's going to happen to you when you come in. Yeah. And I'm just like, ah. Can't we just sit where there's an open seat and everybody's cool with that? I haven't had that issue yet where somebody doesn't sit in the right seat. But I have had that issue in like other venues and it's it's a real problem because it's like, well, if I go sit somewhere else and then that person comes and asks me to move, I'm gonna be very upset. Like Right. Yeah. Happened to me in wrestling once. Yeah. Me and my brother and sister were going, I bought tickets, came, there's two kids sitting in our seat. I'm like, hey, I think you're uh, you're sitting in our seat. He just looked at me and goes, so. And so I just looked around like, well, he just gave me a so. Like, what the fuck am I supposed to do now? Like, well, that's yeah. It's the thing is like, what do you do? Do I fight this guy? Do I like go get security? Like, <laughs> right? And you're like, I don't want to do that, but I also like, what are my other options? <laughs> it's so frustrating. I I've tried to have this conversation with a lot of people. It's like. Society has rules in place, and those rules are very often just designed so that in this weird, chaotic world, you don't just run into other people. 
like a lot of it, like assigned seating. The reason we all go to our assigned seats is the same reason you stop at red lights. It's just so you don't run into other people. We, it, it avoids conflict. And I don't know why people don't want to avoid conflict well enough to just obey the rules. Yeah. I was just like, Jesus Christ. That's, that so, must have been so frustrating. So this is, it is too like kids too. So, I mean, there's nothing there. Can't I can't like fist fight them or anything? Not that I had planned no. on it, but I'm just like, uh, well, I mean, I bought these. You're sitting in our seats, and he looked at me and he's like, So, do you think that makes me better? It makes you better than me? And I was like, No, <laughs> I, I, I just I bought these seats. I just I just want to sit in the seats that I bought, right? just go sit in wherever your seats are. I don't, yeah, that's all I want. And then eventually, he just Looked all mad and got up. I think it was him and like his little brother or something. Just got up and walked walked somewhere else. And I was like, oh my God. I sat down and the guys behind us like, yeah, they were sitting in our seats when we showed up too. I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> just going around the arena trying to find empty seats. <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, ah, that was a lot more of a problem than I really wanted it to be. <sighs> all right <laughs> that has nothing to do with it man whatsoever so, any final ant-man thoughts no i mean i liked it i thought it story was good enough i liked all the fun little monstery characters the action was good fine was, i like the action in this better than the action in like black panther for example which i wasn't a huge fan of um but I don't, probably the character development is way less. I don't know. But it's fun. And yeah. I don't know. You have to watch Paul Rudd get his picture taken with dogs and get called Spider-Man. And it's like, <laughs> that's fun, right? I don't. <laughs> that is fun. As stupid as it is. Uh, uh, what was I going to say? I was going to say something I completely forgot. Um, yeah, I don't know. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was definitely one that I would watch again. Oh, for sure. Because it was an easy watch, too. That's the other thing is, like, I was really relieved when I looked at the runtime and it's like two hours and four minutes or something. And I'm like, yes. Don't bring in 20 new characters. Don't make everything so complicated. Don't make every movie three hours long. Like, it's okay sometimes, but once in a while, just tell a simple story and have a little bit of fun. Yeah. Like your Avengers End Games. Like I can I can take a three hour version of that where you're wrapping up, you know, ten years worth of storytelling and stuff. Sure. Sure. Do- doesn't need to be every movie afterwards though. No. That was like like Black Panther, it really bugged me because it felt like they were just shoehorning in extra storylines and like i said i planned to watch that movie over two days because i just i'm not gonna sit and watch a two hour and 45 minute movie very often like it's just it's pretty rare that i want to do that please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater and now folks it's time to say good night We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. 
Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.